I'm a big believer that experience teaches. My goal with this show is to have guests to share their experience so that they can tell you what it's like, what they did right and what they did wrong. And I'm gonna share the same. Look, I'm not trying to regurgitate stuff you can find on the internet. I'm gonna tell you how it really is and what it's really like to own your own place. This is the National Restaurant Owners Podcast with your host, Kyle and Sarah. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. My name is Kyle and Sarah. I'm the host of the show, and this is the number one and fastest growing podcast for the independent restaurant owner in the country. And that's thanks to you guys. So I appreciate it. Another thing, um, I am doing this standing up, and I am going to do podcasts standing up for the rest of my life now. This is the way to do it. He's sitting down, you don't, you kind of lose your energy. I mean, this is this is the way to do it. I'm just feeling this. I was in um, Tahoe last week. Great conference with some commercial real estate influencers on social media. And I got to tell you, man, that is a beautiful, beautiful place. And I'd never been there. Well, I was there when I was really young, but I didn't appreciate it at all. But it is a beautiful spot. Shout out to the Ritz Carlton over there. And shout out to the broker list and the CREI, other influencers out there. You guys know who you are. It was a great time. People who are forward thinking in the commercial real estate industry who specialize in restaurants and retail and office. So, um, yeah, shout out to them. And look, if you guys have a chance to go out there, you can also drive to San Francisco in like three hours. I don't know. People, some people are like, you're going to drive to San Francisco? Yeah, man. I, you know, you come here. We stayed there for four days. And you can't, the Ritz Carlton is obviously gorgeous. But what are you going to do there all day? So we rented a car, went over to uh, check out the bridge, drove down to Ferry Market, got some great food. Uh, Hog Island Oyster Company. Got to get them on the show. It was a great spot. They were just cranking food out on a beautiful day. So shout out to them. But let's get to this. This is episode 87 with my man, Chef Jensen Cummings. He and I, it's a great story. He and I connected actually on Clubhouse. I was like, dude, we got to get on the podcast. He just had, he was controlling the room. He was spitting fire when it came to like digital hospitality, you know, just the industry in general, his experience, his thoughts on where we're headed, uh, very forward thinking, futurist, and just a really proud to call him a friend after this because he's super, super dialed into the future of the industry. And that's why I want to be connected to you, right? So um, check it out. Episode 87 with Chef Jensen Cummings from the Best Served Podcast. Make sure you check out his show too. But check out this one first. Here he is, Chef Jensen Cummings. Thanks, guys. As a restaurant owner in 2021, I'm sure you can appreciate the convenience of restaurant technology and beautifully designed websites, but maybe you don't know where to turn. Well, I can tell you this. Look no further. I got your answer right here. Bento Box. Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their custom-designed websites. With BentoBox, you'll get a digitally accessible website that conforms to ADA guidelines and has SEO best practices built right in. They also provide e-commerce tools that drive high-margin revenue by allowing your restaurant to grow loyalty by selling gift cards, merchandise, and events tickets 24 hours a day. Plus, you'll be able to own your guest relationship, making it easy to send messages, view data, and manage your orders all in one place. How good does that sound? Right? All in one place. Bento Box provides a full service setup 
that brings agency-level design online in days at a fraction of the cost. Their best-in-class support team is available seven days a week for personalized support and industry expertise. And just because you're a listener of the show, you can receive 50% off your setup fees as well by clicking the link in my bio and entering the code FOU6 in the How Did You Hear About Bento Box section. Again, that's code FOU6, Bento Box. Own your presence, own your profits, own your relationships. You guys know how important I feel vibe is to your restaurant or your bar. It's everything. And just to give you an example, have you ever noticed how the energy of of your restaurant or your bar totally changes when there's something on your TV that's not engaging like sports? I have a solution for you. Atmosphere TV is the first and only TV product of their kind built specifically for use in your restaurant. You may recognize their flagship channel, Chive TV, in addition to 40-plus other amazing high-definition content channels, including Red Bull TV, X Games TV, Beach Bum TV, America's Funniest Home Videos, and much, much more. Built and proven to keep your guests sitting, eating, drinking, and of course, spending more money. The best part is Atmosphere remains 100% free for listeners of this podcast. Just use the code KYLE at checkout to have your setup fee waived and receive your device today. That's atmosphere.tv and use the code KYLE, K-Y-L-E, to receive your free device today. They come or they don't. Um, all right, so we are live, brother. Um, today's guest is Chef Jensen Cummings, chef and host of the Best Served Podcast. Jensen's family has owned restaurants since the year 1900. Is that true? That's a oh true story. Goodness. Five consecutive generations. Holy crap. Safe to say he has rushed the restaurant life running through his veins. Born and raised in Southern California, now living in Colorado, Jensen grew up surrounded by great food, even greater people to inspire him. Today, he's hyper-focused on his dedication to bringing value to the people working within the hospitality industry. His work as a storyteller, consultant, and brand developer have led to some of the most unique concepts and products in the market, delivering on the promise of hospitality to both internal and external guests. His proudness as a public speaker, which is, you are gifted in that for sure, Let's are bringing <laughs> education and inspiration to forms such as chef conferences, food fermentation groups, which is awesome, craft brewing events like the Great American Beer Festival, Big Beers Belgians, and Big Beers Belgian Barley Wines. He finds his truest love for educating when he's in front of a room of culinary students or on this podcast, hoping to help spark the future minds of the industry. Jensen, yes. welcome to the show, bud. Wow, who wrote that? Oh, uh, man. Somebody, yeah. on our, somebody on our team wrote that. That's a good one. <laughs> there they are, talented. Um, they did some digging, for sure. So what's it. up, man? What's going on? I, let's. I don't, where do we even start with? Whenever I have a podcaster and a restaurant or like a true chef person, I feel like there's so much to talk about. I don't even know what to dive into. What what's on the what's chewing in the back of your head this morning? Absolutely, all conversations for me now. I've kind of branded in two ways. They kind of go down two verticals for for me these days. We call it TYBS. Tell your best story. All focused on storytelling right stop selling food start telling stories yeah. you and i have talked about that the food as a, as chefs it's hard it's hard to reflect on the food was just the proof that we are who we say we are right it was really we are pure communicators we just use food beverage hospitality as the vehicle for that so tell your best stories focus on that a lot of talk about marketing a lot about kind of the future of the way that we communicate with each other internally and externally uh within kind of the business and the scene 
And then the other is is www workplaces worth working. We have to mm. develop a different model. You and I talked about it a yeah. lot. Your TikToks, you're always getting into that. People don't want to work at your restaurant. It's not the fault of a 23 year old kid. It's our fault. Yeah, right. We built the industry this way. We burned so hot for the last two decades. We spun off our axis, and now it's a time for us to reflect. And it's going to be on us as leaders to do something different. So that very much is reimagining business models, reimagining uh, HR, bringing humanity into human resources, something we don't do very well, showing hospitality to ourselves, our team, our, our businesses, not just the guests. And, mm. uh, and so those are kind of the two places. So I don't know if kind of talking about workplace Man. elements or talking about marketing storytelling, let's, let's get into it. I, yeah. I, I like the, the marketing storytelling piece because I, I'm a, I think that's one of the best things that really sort of, you saw the, the fire start a little bit during the pandemic, which was yes. people who even brands and restaurants and chefs and mixologists getting on social media who didn't really have, right. maybe they had no following or they had a very little following and they weren't that active and they started saying like, hey, here's my house here. I'm going to make you the cocktail that we used to make at the restaurant or we're going to do some, um, you know, we're going to make the pasta dish that, that you guys love so much and we can't get to you. So I'm going to show you how to make it. Um, I thought that was one of the best things to come out of it. I mean, talk a little bit more about what, what you think that means for, for operators and how they should dive into that type of content. Look, in 2013, imagine you can go back and I see both you and I have have Instagram handles. Imagine if you had gone all in on Instagram and not just been like, what do you mean? That's like for photographers. What do you mean? That's for kids. What do you mean? Like, that's not what we do. We we just focus on the food and people will come. All of those tropes that yeah. we perpetuate. Imagine if you had gone all in. Now it's pay to play. Now you have to go and be elite in that space to be able to get the kind of penetration that you need. So TikTok is where... Our man Kyle here is super yeah. active. I've seen people just start making cocktails just in their home and yeah. boom, drop a half a million followers. And now they're doing brand deals. And now it's changing their life, changing oh, their game completely. We see people getting jobs at big brands and stuff because they're a unique storyteller. And they had no idea because you get your head kicked in enough in a restaurant. You do believe that you're just a cook. And the reality is you're a communicator and people are listening uh, and paying attention. And they want that story. And that's the best part. I mean, that to me... I mean, I'm not really a, it's, it's sort of like reality TV for people who don't watch reality TV for me. <laughs> right. Like I'm not into the Kardashians. I'm not into any of these other shows that are on there. Uh, my wife is, and I can, and that's how she sort of connects with the content for herself, mm -hmm. but that's what it is. You want to see what's going on behind the scenes. And I think that's, what's really so appealing. I guess it's just that people are not, or they're afraid of judgment, right? That's what it is. A hundred percent. We all, yeah. we all are right. Especially in this industry. It is our job strength and vulnerability to put up a facade every day you leave your shit at the door you put a smile on it's part of your uniform all these things again we perpetuate so that the yeah. guest has the ultimate experience that we're always the duck on the water that's cool and calm and and freaking the fuck out down below the water right that is the nature of what we do in this industry and it creates that environment that guests always no matter what's happening have the best experience yet it means we leave it all out in the field there's nothing left there's no hospitality left for ourselves and so we have to like shift that narrative and, and social media and creating that unfettered access is doing that. And, and chefs a lot of times go, yeah, that's not me. I'm a chef. I'm in the kitchen. I focus on the food. I was like, I feel you. But what did we do? What did we start to do as chefs? We started to create open kitchens. Why? Yeah. Because we recognized we were part of the show. We recognized that people wanted access to us. We started walking around the dining rooms, right? Wolfgang Puck was really the first one we ever saw doing that. The open kitchens, walking around the dining room. And, and we, we gravitated towards that. We saw that as something very, very different. And we wanted to be a part of that. 
strength because no longer were guests just nameless, faceless assholes that sent food back and had weird requests, right? We could have a relationship with them, the chef counter. Yet it also meant we created a lot of vulnerabilities because it didn't, it became about the one person and putting them so high on a pedestal that the rest of the team could never live up to that. That yeah. created some vulnerabilities. Also, our kitchens started getting bigger and bigger. And we, we spent more and more money on it, which created a lot of stress on the business model. I know that's something you deal with a lot with real estate. Like yeah. kitchens got big when 50% of your footprint is at your, your manufacturing and only 50% is the retail sales where you're actually making money. Yeah. That caused a lot of stress in the system, you know, that's so that's point. important. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, I guess from the chef perspective, I get it right. Like we were back at the house for a reason. Like that, there was a, there were, they didn't want was, us talking we, to anybody. Yeah. We didn't want to talk to anybody. Now you want us to put a camera in front of our face and document our day. But I'll tell you what, when I went to culinary school, um, which was 2002, that was the year that Bourdain's book came out. Mm -hmm. And it was like when chefs were starting to, you know, I remember, you know, I was a kid watching the Jacques Pepin shows and I was, you know, watching Mario Batali's little yeah. cooking counter there, that thing. But yeah, that that's true. Like that stuff started then and it was really started just going, like you said, in the beginning, 20 years kind of spinning around. And now it's like come, come to this where you're the chef of a local restaurant. You can do your own cooking show at the counter. You can be your own Jacques Pepin. Yeah, you don't have to be uh, beholden to anybody anymore. It's not food media. It's mm -hmm. not television. It's not radio. It's none of that. It's you and your smartphone. Yeah, is, is it? You have you have unfettered access too. And it's interesting mentioning that. I remember culinary school. We went around the same time, right? And and it was Bourdain's book and the French Laundry Cookbook. And yeah. the juxtaposition of those two messages yeah. was like so profound to me. I was like, one is like. <laughs> Do it doing blow in the bathroom, and the other yeah. was like the most beautiful salmon, uh, yeah. croquette or whatever his oh, little cone is with the caviar, <laughs> cornet. Yeah, all of that. I was like, wow, I can I can embody all of this. That was super interesting. But what happened was we we were those pirates. We were the misfits, the island of misfit toys, the band of rebels. Oh, yeah. Right. We didn't quite fit in until we found the kitchen we found the restaurant and then what happened is we became the cool kids and we didn't quite know how to handle it all of a yeah. sudden being a chef in the room like all of a sudden i was hanging out with like celebrities and like athletes and getting invited to you know abs games and stuff to mm -hmm. sit with like the the families and the wives of the players yeah. i was like what the, what the hell is going on here i had no yeah, idea yeah. how to handle it and so in our adolescence as individuals as teams as businesses as an industry we tried way too many things. We we tried to manipulate everything and try to do so much. It's those college days kind of scenario. And we're having to grapple with that right now. We're having to deal with that right now and what that meant. And we went from being the misfits to the cool kids to the establishment. Yeah. And now we're the establishment. And now kids these days, in big air quotes, are calling bullshit on some of the things that we created. And we're saying, well, they're not as dedicated. They're not as this or that. Yeah. They want story. They want meaning. They're telling yeah. us every single day why so much content is out there. And now is an opportunity for us to say, you're more like us than we, we are willing to acknowledge because you didn't want to be a part of the system, just like we didn't want to be a part of the system. Yeah. We just don't like the fact that we're the system now. And so we're <laughs> having to like tell a different right? story. Yeah. I mean, you know? look, I, I think that, I mean, in and of that, there's content. If you can tell that story, I mean, that's tremendous. I mean, I, I remember for me, it was, I mean, I left my job. I was working as a financial advisor and I quit after 9-11. I was like, screw this. I don't want to do this anymore. 
And I just found like peace and quiet in the kitchen. It was just like, to me, even all the craziness going on, even now to this day, cooking dinner, my wife's like, why are you making this dish? I'm like, you have no idea. Like everything <laughs> around me turns to, I don't hear anything. I could be yeah. slicing, I'll do scallions on a bias. Like my, like my chef is watching me when I was in culinary school. Uh -huh. I, I want it to be so, she's like, what do you, what do you need to eat? I'm like, give me a second, uh -huh. you know? And it's interesting how that has become a thing. And oh, maybe that's what Bourdain felt. Maybe that's what some of those guys felt. But I think those kind of stories, why you're in it, where you source the ingredients, all that stuff. I mean, you're you're a great storyteller. How how could a chef go about, you know, they're they're, they're thinking my day. So what am I going to do? Tell the day that the line cook didn't show up and do it. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. my thing. Like, get into storytelling because that is really important. Yeah. Uh, the, the first thing is there's there's some big mindset shifts that need to happen before you can actually deploy it. And one of the things that I really focus on is what are the things historically that we do very well? How can we repackage that and deploy them against things that we don't? So, for example, I talk a lot about mental health mise en place. We're not very good at mental health, but we're really damn good at mise en place. Yeah. Set your station, understand what's going on, understand what you're going to need. And that's checking in with your station, but check in with yourself. It's the same kind of thing in that mindset shift. We're trying to create. We are creators, and we're trying to create this perfect dish, right? You know, what we need to recognize is what people actually want is to capture the moments that take to get that dish. Like people don't actually care about your burger. Right. They really don't. And if you and if you think that they do, <sighs> then somebody who's got a better burger or more money to market their burger will beat you every time. Yeah. You yeah. care about the fact that you went to meet the rancher, that you did seven different grinds and tested them, that you tasted all of your staff on this to get the whole team bought into that this burger is the best representation of who we are. That's what yeah. people actually want. That's what your your team wants. You start telling that story and including people. You're going to find that people are going to want to work with you and the labor shortage will vanish for you very yeah. quickly. Yeah, right. Working seats will change the dynamic completely because people value stories. We just look for the elements that make us feel like they are a part of that story, right? I think about, you, you may have seen this. Rob Walker was a New York Times magazine writer who did this experiment on, uh, on eBay and him mm -hmm. and some other writers bought some just completely innocuous, like unimportant items on eBay. They wrote the most compelling and interesting stories about every single one of those items. And they 6,400 x their money. Jesus. Just by telling a story about a nothing object. And food and beverage has that opportunity to, to the nth degree. You want to, to stop worrying about people saying, well, my, my customer is not going to pay that much. People have shown again and again, they will pay as much as they they can to be a part of something meaningful time and time again. Yeah. And so that's the story that people want to hear, again, internally and externally, that's going to have you have a strong team and strong relationships and more butts and seats and higher check averages because you're not selling the burger. Nobody cares what kind of right. cheese you're putting on the burger. They care that you went to yeah. the sheep farmer to make the cheese to put yeah, on that yeah. burger. I'll pay anything to be a part of that story. Yeah. Did you have the cheese? Oh my God. Did you have the cheese? Oh my God. The cheese. That's what right. be the story. That'll become the story. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, you know what I think it is too. And I hate to put people on blast, but like a lot of the guys can't do that because they're buying frozen burgers at restaurant Depot. It's just it's as story. an example, you know, like, so your, your own bullshit is getting in the way of a story that you can tell. You don't want to tell that story. Nobody yep. wants to tell that story. And I think that's something else too. That's kind of, happen then i mean like 
you know, you and I didn't grow up with seven different blends in our burger. We grew up with whatever okay. our mom threw on the grill or our dad threw on the grill. And we were lucky if we had 80, 20 or 90, 10. We didn't even know what that meant. But it was different. Yeah, I don't want to do fractions. It's, you know, it's, um, it's, I think, going to weed people out. And I think it's just like in a lot of other industries where you're not, you're not putting it out there because you don't want us to know. And if you're not putting it out there, I don't trust you. That's it. That's it right there. If you're not doing it, you're not only not doing it, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage because somebody else is. And the fact right. that they are, now we have set into people's minds that you can have unfettered access, that I can see all the way through the facade, that I yeah. do want to see how the sausage is made. And if somebody's willing to show me that and you're not, what are you hiding? Yeah. And even at a subconscious level, people start to turn off to what you're telling them because you're not telling them anything you're selling them something and people don't want to be sold to and that has been clear again and again yeah and so no, yeah, restaurants are struggling sure. with that that's um you know just like that, that's like for me right in real estate is I'll, I'll tell you everything i need to know i mean yeah there are things i'm not going to tell you who my clients are or i'm not going to tell you their specific markets yeah. that they're looking at their sites they're looking at and a handful of other things but other than that any group that i want to work with they know the terms of a lease. They know the terms of an LOI. They know the steps. But there are people who are, you know, young chefs who've got in the business now who maybe have a hot concept on their hands. They're thinking about growing and they're like, you know what? I understand that maybe I don't know everything. I know how to cook. But I need somebody to help me with the real estate stuff. Who's that guy on TikTok? Who's that guy on, on LinkedIn? Because if you're holding everything back, like to your point, they're like, well, why are you just telling me what this guy's telling me? If you're, you know, like, you're so great. I want to know what the story is. And I think that's, that's how everybody should approach content for their industry, particularly restaurants, because they have they have a cast of characters too. You can make your own, you can make your own yeah. your own show. Oh, and then yeah. you can literally step into it. I think that's the best part. Yeah. You know, and and like let's say TikTok videos. If you're not the guy or the gal to do the the trending dance or whatever it is, I guarantee you that there's a bartender, a server, a busser, a oh dishwasher God. who you can't stop from vibing all day. You know, and they're just they're just that person. That's yeah. their energy. Capture that energy. Show off yeah. that energy. Again, it does two things. People on the consumer side love that. They want to yeah. be a part of that. And number two, that employee that you're putting on a pedestal is there for life. Yeah, they're all in good. because you are supporting them and what they are all about. Who and they, they are. Part of it. They contribute. Pressing them. You're uplifting them. Yeah. And that, and to that, to the extent that you, you know, when you let the leash out on the line cooking, let them make a special or you let, you know, the bar back. Hey, what was that drink you were telling me about? Let's give it a shot. Yes. Like you're giving them a buy in. And we actually experienced this last night. There's a, a newish type restaurant that opened during the um, pandemic and we wanted to try it. So my daughter was out in town. We're going to go meet her. So we went there and my wife was on TikTok waiting for the food to come out. And she's like, you know, I made the first TikTok for this restaurant. The way it just came over. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let's take a look at it. And she did. And it was great. And it was like, this is what I'm talking about. This is what this culture, this is what this age group and every, I mean, my age, yeah. group, your age group are, this is how they're consuming information about brands and people. And if you're not telling that story on there, I think, yeah, you're right. You're on the status of Well, And I think I, earlier I got off on a tangent, so I didn't get back to the point. What I was talking about with Instagram, I want to bring it back to that, is in 2013, you should have committed all in on Instagram. Oh, yeah. In 2020 and 21, you should be committing all in on TikTok. You can still get... You can still drop four videos and somehow land yourself half a million followers. There's going to be a lot more opportunity that's going to age up, right? And not only that, but what's interesting is to go food has gotten so prolific. Age up is one thing, but 
don't get it twisted. The people making the decisions in the home to get food delivered, they're about 13, 14, 15 yeah, years it. old, yeah. especially yeah. adolescent girls. They are the decision maker 100% yep. of where it's going. And they're native, they're, they're digital first, they're digital native. So like they're going to be the one that actually gets on and orders the, the delivery food, not mom and dad a lot of the time. So yeah, I would be wanting to communicate with a different type audience than I was considering before. And again, if you're understaffed, well, think about the short term or the long term. Think three years from now. That 16, 17-year-old is going to be going to college. They're going to yep. need a job or they're going to need a spot to hang out with their friends. You have to cultivate those relationships long term. And, and you know this, Kyle. We're such instant gratification. We're oh, short-term man. thinking, which means we're tacticians, which is good because it means we can ebb and flow, be in the moment, and always meet the needs of the guest in that moment. It means we're horrible strategists. We don't think mm -hmm. long-term. And again, that gets exposed time and time again. I mean, what would you give? I mean, I would give anything that I could to have content of me in culinary school right now oh. from 2002 to now to have all that stuff on a, on a thing on my hand that I could just scroll through and look at. I mean, that is that is that's, that's, really, a I mean, that's legacy type shit. Yeah, that's like something you leave in a will. I mean, that is unbelievable. Just think how you feel looking through a box of old pictures, yes. right? Like, and those are just static images and there's evoke so much emotion. It's wild. Yeah, the, the flashback in any movie is like one of the most compelling <laughs> elements because we want to yeah. know how did we get to this point? Yeah, it, it's it's meaningful for people. And being able to like show people that and express that, I think is is so important. And for us, it's like wow. Look at that snot nosed punk, yeah. 18 year old kid, like hustling and grinding, trying to like make something of themselves in this industry. Yeah. And now look where we are. Those are the kind of hero's journey type stuff that, you know, everybody wants to be a part of. I think you need to be script, a lot right? of times doing that. Yeah. It is a, it's an absolute movie script. There's three yeah. scenes to every hero's journey movie, they're all the same. Yeah. It's a hero who wants something, it's a challenge they have to overcome. And it's them bringing fire back to their village because they accomplished it. Every oh, yeah. story is exactly that story. <laughs> so familiar. just tell that story. We have all lived it. We just don't yeah. recognize it because we don't have enough self-value, self-worth. We don't think our stories are that important. Somebody else's story is, is that. But you look at your own story. You've, you've gone through all those trials and tribulations. You've seen the successes yeah. and the failures. Just people want to know about it. People want to know about it, and it becomes a way that they connect to you. I mean, it's it's just wild. Like the things that, that I hear, I'm sure you experience it too, just from the podcast or from a piece of content. Like mm -hmm. it's you don't even remember what it was. You're like, I saw you on the li live the other day with Jensen. I'm like, Wait, what? I have no what. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't. Get, it lives right. there forever, and it lives in on in a place where you can go back and consume it. Other people can consume it, and it can. It's really an opportunity to build your legacy that our grandparents didn't have. So I, I think it's a tremendous opportunity. I love to see chefs and restaurateurs diving straight into this stuff. Yeah, you, you need to be in that capture mindset, mm. right? Again, we're creators, and so we want to create something, but just capture that whole process. And you yeah. never know when and how it's going to have an impact on, okay. on who it's going to have an impact. But that's what you're going through. Like That's the life that you're living. That's the hard work that you're putting in. Putting out the plate is actually the easy part. Everything yeah. that it took to get to that plate to that point, that's that's the challenge. So just show people that challenge. And you got, you know, you got that phone right in your hand. Our boy Sean Walsh is always talking about it. Like just yeah. grab your phone and shoot it, whatever it is. You can go live. You can go live with any time. And just, yeah, that's it. I mean, I think it's it's ironic because people look at it, right? Like the people are hesitant. They're like, who does this guy think he is? 
you know, walking down. When reality is, it's the most humbling thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, TikTok, and by the way, TikTok is the most brutal platform of them all. Yeah. They are the most ruthless. But you know what? That the world is ruthless. If you're going to put yourself out there, you're going to be a lot more, you know, to, to criticism. I mean, a guest in your restaurant face to face is pretty ruthless too sometimes. I think yeah. it's uh, I think it's just the next step. And, and people got the chefs and restaurateurs got to realize they have to embrace it. That's it. Well, and to your point, like basically what's playing out there is those vanity metrics. Yeah. Right? We're looking so hard at how many likes, how many impressions, how many follows did that create for you? The reality is, if you really look at it, if you put out a piece of content, let's say, and 40 people like that piece of content, and 10 of those people come to re your restaurant, and three of those people become regulars that then now you can count on ten dollars to $12,000 annualized in revenue, and those three people also buy the cheese that you made with the cheese farmer and bring mm -hmm. that to their home, and then they throw a party. And then at that party, they put out a piece of content and say, we're having the cheese that we got from Kyle's restaurant. We're so excited about it. And then they happen to have some volume. And 2,712 people saw that. And then the 22 people that they're at their party, six of those people come to your restaurant. And two of them become regulars. Yep. It changes the economics of your business entirely. Why? Because you put out one piece of content that only 40 people watched. But the opportunity for that to snowball is exponential. And, and I'll tell you a story that's a, a real world story. One of our clients is Next Level Burger. Yep. They are a burger, plant based, uh, vegan burger concept yep. out, of, out of the North Pacific Northwest. Um, no training. The guy was a Marine. Um, they saw a trend of people, you know, should he be eating vegan? They bought into it, him and his wife. And he uh, opened up his first store in the Pacific Northwest in Portland, I believe, was the first store. And he put on Twitter or something, some some social media platform. I believe it was Twitter, and somebody who worked at Twitter and lived in the area went went there. Somehow, I believe he's the person who came from Twitter came into his place, ate it, loved it, told his friend who was like a corporate chef for Whole Foods. Long story short, Whole Foods is the largest shareholder in Next Level Burger, yep. and they're currently expanding across the country. Like so, I mean, no tweet. No presence. Who knows if they could still be just slinging veggie patties in in Portland? Yeah, you, you never know, know what's gonna happen. You know, uh, back to what I was talking about, and, and and maybe we can like spitball this a little bit because I think you got some ideas. I'm sure as well is we do table touches all the time. We have really great signage, and we focus on that. And I've been talking about a lot that this phone in my hand is your new table touch and your new signage. So like, well, you would never walk by a table that said something to you or looked you in the eyes because they were looking for a, a connection, a story. They wanted to tell you how good the food was and walk right by them. But brands do this all the time on social media. They ignore the hell out of people there. Why? Because we don't think that they're in our four walls. Yep. Your four walls are expansive. You no longer have 36 tables that can turn two and a half times. You have 242,000 people that are in your community, that are in your city, that are potential audience members for you, mm -hmm. right? And so that's like a, a shift in the mindset. Your signage, you would never have horrible signage out front because you want to make sure that people are able to find you, that you are alluring and enticing. I see all the time when people you know, don't care about their digital presence because it's not that important to us because we're a restaurant and we're in the business of X, Y, and Z. You're not. You're in the mm -hmm. business of hospitality and that has expanded upon your beyond your four walls and you need to recognize that and use the strength that you have. We're good at signage. We're good at table touches. 
We're good at interacting in these ways. We're good at asking questions to find out who people are. We're good at asking them about the Riesling uh, that they had. And they say, oh, well, I, I traveled to Alsace and got to taste Riesling. And then all of a sudden, little tastes of other Rieslings come to their table because you understand that that creates a better experience for them. That's social media. Find out what your audience is into and give them little tastes of Riesling. We already yeah. do it. Just yeah. do it on social media. That's that's so true. I mean, I, I always say, you know, with and maybe i heard this somewhere but it's an it's a, a similar analogy to what you're saying is you know your ability to extend hospitality beyond your four walls is insanely beneficial to your you know so you want to approach a table you want to get to know your customers scroll through their instagram you're going to find out like hey uh susie just got into harvard you know, Billy hit his first home run in his little league game. What is more hospitable than you going up to, to the table that you see people like, hey, Billy, I saw you hit your first home That is, it may seem creepy, but they're putting <laughs> it out there. It's how we consume each other. Right. That's, that is hospitality on the next level, if you ask me. I mean, that's really knowing your guest the second they walk in the door. That's it. We've been doing that. We've been we've been taking notes and dropping them in an open table for how long? We've been yeah. doing these things to understand that guest to make sure that they have the best possible experience. And the and the extensions of what you're talking about that create the truest form of hospitality and relationship building is you see that baseball moment. Then all of a sudden you guys, you know, are doing a cocktail that you name after the 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 their baseball team name, the the yep. Falcons. The Falcon cocktail, or you know, and maybe yeah. it's an NA cocktail because it's a kid. Let's not get <laughs> yeah. it too far oh, out there. Mocktails, yeah. And and then and then you you sponsor that team, and then all of a sudden, you know, the 402 families whose all kids play as part of this little league know who you are, and yep. they they know that you care about them because you've done something meaningful to interact with them. You know that that's the look. We talk about being in the people business a lot. Every business is the people business. I don't care if you make hubcaps. You need to sell that to some people. Yep. We're all in the people business, right? Some part of your business, even if you're just the engineer in the back. We are in the relationship business, which is very unique, very different. And no relationship, not one, was ever created by a product or by a service. It's always been created by people. Yep. Products and services have created the opportunity. They facilitate that. They create like-mindedness, a space for that to happen. And restaurants have uniquely been one of the most profound places where relationships happen, where memories and moments happen. Oh. Yet understanding you're in the relationship business means you treat that differently than just being cordial, right? Steps of service and having a good personality, that's not what hospitality is. It's right. finding out who they are, what motivates them, what makes them tick. Why would they care about what you have to offer? And expressing that to them is the important part. And so I think that's, you know, that's a key of that relationship building. And we have to continue to do that, even though the model of the restaurant is shifting and it's shifting quickly. And it's a struggle because we don't like change. Yeah, right. right? Unless we're doing it and controlling it because it's on my menu. We don't like that. Now it's coming from outside of our four yeah. walls. Somebody and else knows so, what we need to do, right? We, we have to. We have yeah. to start to shift. We have the, the business model of a restaurant has not changed more than incremental little changes of a different color lipstick on the same pig for over mm -hmm. half a century. We have to make some exponential changes to what we're doing, some fundamental changes. And that's hard. That hurts. That saying that, well, you mean everything that I built for the last 20 years is irrelevant? No, it's just evolving. And you can evolve it or it'll be evolved without you. And the yeah, right. storytelling is a huge piece of that. 
and and it's hard to catch up to that. And I, I have a lot of empathy for that. Yet I also realize, what else are you going to do? You're going right. to you're going to adopt, or or you're going to become irrelevant. That that's it's it's, it's so great to hear you say that because it's, it really is a theme. And I and I, th- I do think people are buying into it more. I do think people, Agreed. chefs and operators, are buying into it more. Yep. Not everybody does it at the same speed. I mean, you and I are, are out there quite a bit, and and that that's one thing. But some people they're going to do what they do, and that's going to be in, impactful in their own way because they've yep. been so quiet. So I respect that. Let's get into the restaurant business and what we what we are now facing in terms of labor shortage and mm-hmm. culture and the environment i mean i think we both can agree that it, it was time for a change when it comes to that stuff yeah, you know we were more happy to live and working it for a long time but um i think the pandemic has helped kind of shed some real light on that how do you see restaurants dealing with that sort of culture change and and, and really like i mean that's a big one right like that yeah. that that dynamic of paying your dues and yelling at you and trailing and not making, you know, not getting enough shifts and no vacations and, and clopins, you know, yeah. things are, you know, like how I'm do we fix open. that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, or, I, I spoke to um, a guy yesterday, an author yesterday, and he was like, you know, or even like this whole thing, his book is called um, Ken, Ken McGarry. The book is called the surprise manager, which is like, Hey, you know, like the idea is like, Hey, you're the manager now. Right. Um, so you're here, are the keys, you know, like here's, here's, here's how you log into payroll. Here are the keys. Here's the liquor number. Here's the beer guy's number. Start being the manager that like, how do we, how do we fix all this? <laughs> uh, for, for me, the first thing always it's mindset. Yeah. We have to shift our mindset of being so focused on our physical labor as the only value that we bring to the business or to our community. First thing that has to change. Because then it's only ever about input. I worked 15, 16 hour days, 70 hour weeks. You know, I, I used to pat myself on the back. Now I make fun of myself about it. I went almost seven years without taking a single sick day. I mm. thought that that Iron Man shit, that's what you're supposed to do right. in this industry. What I recognized is it created all kinds of toxicity within myself. You know, I missed every single wedding. I missed everything. Yeah. Right. And 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 my now wife Betsy, you know, was always solo at all of these life events because I was always working. And so what it creates is just a real quick trajectory to burnout in this industry. And so we have to start thinking about being equitable, profitable, and sustainable in in ourselves, in the business, and the impact that we have on our community and the world around us. So, like the mindset shift of understanding the type of business you're actually in is the first step and and really really focusing on that the next thing is to stop blaming kids these days please stop blaming kids these days right getting a plate thrown at your head is not a badge of honor it's toxic and stupid yeah and we did it again and and again criminal act yeah we're (laughs) we're we're saying that this abuse is okay and what happens is there's this like stockholm syndrome and we need to get past this where i did it i thought that i survived the abuse and that made me better. So it was my job to inflict the abuse to see who survived it. And the reality is, it's just we have burned through our social equity in this industry. Oh, yeah. Nobody wants to be a part of this industry anymore. Why? Because you're like a running back in football who's got a lifespan of five years, yet you ain't getting paid nothing for it. Right. And so they're going to flip on eBay because I don't need your job anymore or within food. This is interesting, Kyle. The gatekeeper has changed. I don't need you big name chef to resume build anymore. 
I can start selling my family's uh, frozen lumpia, Filipino mm-hmm. lumpia recipe direct to consumers on on Instagram. I don't need oh, you anymore to do what I want to do with my life and be a part of the food industry. So yeah. we have to shift that mindset. We have to understand the business we're in. We have to understand that our most valuable asset is not your highest line item in the in your menu composition, that you care more about the foie gras and caviar than the person who's actually going to interact with that product. Yep. It's the people. It always yeah. has been. It always will be. It's the only thing that sets you apart. So that's really number one. I don't, let's unpack that. That's heavy, but there's a couple practical things that I think businesses can do as well. And I'd love to touch on those, but uh, that's the yeah. first thing. No, for sure. But I think the mindset one is big because you're, I always make the analogy with sports and you know, you don't so you like the football, the, the, the running back one. Yes, that's good. <laughs> exactly. And it, it's, it's like, you always hear um, even the, the best players, the Kobe Bryant, the LeBron James, and my, they always wanted to be in. They never wanted to come out, but the coach had to give him a rest because you're only valuable to me if you're if you're fresh. You are That's not it. valuable to me, and and those guys are at the elite elite. So yeah, if you're talking about line cooks and hostesses that you're burning out with 65, 70 hour weeks and clopins and late nights and dumping shit on them emotionally, they're not going to represent your brand very well. And, nope. and it, it's crazy how long we've lived with, no, that's the expectation. Like you said before, that you're going to burn yourself out because that's what you're supposed to do. When we start to do things like, why would I invest time and effort? They're just going to leave. Why would I invest time and effort? Oh, yeah. You know, they don't care. Why would I invest time and effort? And it's like, who's going to take the responsibility for this in the end? The 23-year-old kid or you? Yeah. Like, somebody has to take a responsibility and accountability for it. And this blame game that's going on is not helping anybody. And so one of the practical things that's kind of two-part, we talk about a job story. Everything for me is a story. It's a mission story, a vision story, a job story, an about story, a menu story. We have to tell stories. It's the only thing people actually value. Otherwise, you're commoditized, and that puts yourself in a very vulnerable position as a business. So the job story is interesting because... We keep doing this, Kyle. I can't I can't stand this anymore, and I will put anybody on blast that I see do this. Here we go. Love Hiring that. line cooks, $14, $16 an hour. Based on experience, apply here. That's the posts that I see going out. Like, sign me up. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Let me go work for the place that can't put more than 41 words into telling me why going to work for them would be of value to me. Why? Because you have a job. Yeah, I don't need your job. You yeah. have to understand that you need to tell a compelling and meaningful story. And, and, and one of my teams just shared this from uh, Canlis, like obviously in Seattle, fine dining restaurant of like much prestige for three decades, family legacy, all of that. And just showed a job post and I was like moved by it. Anybody watching, listening, go check out Canlis, C-A-N-L-I-S restaurant there in Seattle. Check out their Instagram. Uh, they just posted it. And it was like look talking, at it right now. talking directly to somebody. Are you somebody who loves pastries? Are you somebody who is, is, is moved to create X, Y, and Z? If so, we would love to talk to you. Right. Yeah. And it, that's, that's the start of a relationship. You don't start a relationship right with your wife and go, Hey, I'm hiring wives right now. Pays pretty good. <laughs> Apply here. No, you don't do pays that. Pretty good. That, you know, plays pretty good. Long hours. Boss is an asshole. That's yeah. not the way that you're going to cultivate that relationship. Yeah, and no. so that's what we keep doing to people and wonder why they don't want to have a relationship with us. And I so mean, the yeah, job story. Dear future pastry chef. That one? Is that the one you're talking yeah. about? Yep. This is yeah, it's great. Oh my God. Was so that, that you? 
that we read about. Okay, so it says, Dear Future Pastry Chef, was that you? We read about quietly blowing people's minds with sugar and chocolate. You told a friend last week that you were ready for a change. We told Seattle we were building the best kitchen team we could. You, complaining about work and how you just felt unfulfilled. Us, waiting in the wings for a pandemic to pass. You, smiling as you read this. Us, smiling as we write the most ridiculous job posting ever. Hey, we're canalists. Reach out sometime. That's it. Yeah, that is, man, that is legendary. That's I mean, it. that's great. That right there is the start of something. Tell me why. Tell me a story. Interact with me. Inspire me. Make me laugh. Be silly. Like be human. This is what we want to saw. Get rid of the facade. Don't sell me on that. We're the X, Y, and Z. Tell me the story that has me truly believe that in here because of what you were able to write, because of how you express yourself. And that's what people really want. So the job story is important. And we're taking that even, even further, right? Because we have this thing called the resume and this thing called the job description. Oh, yeah. And they are just garbage pieces of paper. We keep telling people, don't do this. You have to do this. Can't do this. Needs to be that. Make sure you don't do this. And then we wonder why everybody's resume job description says exactly the same thing, which is absolutely nothing. And we wonder why people can't express themselves in a meaningful way because we've told them that you cannot. And then we wonder why people aren't passionate enough. We told them that they can't be passionate enough, that they can't actually talk about who they are. Well, they just have to fit the mold that we created for them. Tell you, yeah. Job story. Job story is what you have to do. You have to shift the entire approach of hiring. You have to break down all your preconceived notions of the way that you communicate. And you need to rethink that and make it personal, make it unique, make sure that no part of your process or your language can be copy and pasted into anybody else's. Yeah. And that's how you're going to start to cultivate a relationship. So the job story is number one thing that we can see happening. Canlis just did that. And here, let me tell you something practical. Let's talk dollars and cents because we're both business-minded guys as well. Two things happen when you start to market, just like Canlis did, to employees. All right. Number one, you'll start to get employees because they see that you care, that you're willing to put in the effort. And we love effort and we love care in this industry. That's what hospitality is. Number two, you know who else cares about that? Is your potential customer or your existing guests. Yep, They care about that. They want to see that kind of thing. They want to be a part of a place that invests effort and care yeah. into people. Oh, totally. So you're going to create an opportunity for more butts and seats as a byproduct of you marketing. We call it internal marketing. Like I'm big on market to your employees and your guests will come. That's the actual field of dreams uh, marketing yeah. approach. Not make great food and people will come. Market well, your ambassadors then too, right? Like they, they're living and, and, and spewing that knowledge for you to the guests who maybe aren't so keen on picking up on it. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you see it play out time and time again where people want to be a part of that type of story. People want to be a part of that type of community. They want to have a relationship with those type of people and businesses. And so create that opportunity. Stop selling me your burger. I don't care yeah. about your burger. Sell me on the fact that Susie is going to be cooking that burger and, and that that Rosa and Tommy went to the farm to go and yeah. you know meet the farmer. That's, again, the story that's going to matter to you, what you think is your biggest problem, your labor shortage or your direct labor costs and turn it into both eradicating a quote unquote labor shortage uh, and also getting more customers, creating more opportunity for guests. Because if you're selling that burger, somebody else has a better burger or more marketing money. Oh yeah. So better ambiance, better location, better view. Yeah. Whatever. So it's, it's exactly. And then I tell you what, I, I never, dude, it's, it's, it's crazy because 
you you can tell so much from that that fourteen to sixteen dollar an hour sign because that's yeah. how much you give a shit. Like that's what you care you about. Here. Care. So if you're really, but I, I do believe this, if you're really looking to build a hospitality focused restaurant, you're looking to build a, a hospitality company, a restaurant, mm-hmm. a restaurant concept, the food truck. You've never had a better opportunity to get really great employees. It's true. Right? So you're gonna have these guys come up. How much you pay? Okay, that's what you're leading with. I know exactly who you are. Been down mm-hmm. this road. Uh, no, I'll yeah, do, that's why I'm I'll scared of like the signing bonuses. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's it's like tit for tat. Like, just create. You need to create a better structure. And this is another business modeling thing. My uh, partner a- Andrew Parr is just great financial and operational mind. Lets me say all kinds of wild and unbelievable things, and then finds a way to actually get it on the paper and get it in a nice, neat little boxes on Excel. And what we did was we're even changing the budget and PNL composition that we've never changed forever. It's always been compartmentalized the way that it is. Every single line item that is a way that you invest in your people, again, your most valuable asset, are all grouped together. It allows you to understand what is your net investment in your people from your labor, benefits, culture, education, right? Those are the four buckets that we're always trying to invest in. And if you understand what that investment is, now we're starting to do really creative things, Kyle, where we're saying, well, 74.9% turnover rate annualized for a restaurant. If you have a restaurant averaging of 50 employees, and let's say you have four locations, that is a million dollars just in turnover costs. $6,000 for a line level, $14,000 for a manager. That's what you're paying just to wow. recoup employment, right? Okay. Imagine if you turn that number to 41%. The economic difference and we truly believe that that investment grouping in your budget, in your PL, in your performa will allow you the under, uh, opportunity to understand how that number directly affects turnover rate. We also know that turnover rate directly affects check average. Because of the consistency, because of the hospitality, because yeah. of the lack of training potentially in that system of turnover. Yeah. So now we're talking about check average, we're talking about turnover rate, and we're talking about investment in people. But you keep telling me that that you can't afford to pay your people more, to pay for benefits, to pay for pet insurance, whatever you decide are the important things to you and your team. I'll tell you where that money is not coming from. I'll tell you all about your turnover rate and the impact that that has. We got to stop focusing so much on that cut and control mindset to drive the bottom line and focus more on the invest and growth mindset to grow your people and your top line so that you have an opportunity to actually grow your business, grow the wealth within your business versus always trying to get yourself down to 9.2%. Now, manage seconds and pennies, yet there is a paradigm shift in the approach and it matters. Oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, to your point about the check average, think about the table that comes in every Thursday night, the couple, and their regular server is not there. Yep. And then the you person was like, as much money. Full yeah. stop, Kyle. No, they don't spend totally. as much no. money. Because they, they knew that server for two years. They knew that she was pregnant or maybe that she was maybe she was griping to them. Maybe she felt like, hey, you know what? It's not, I don't know if I'm going to be here too much longer. It's yeah, not really working out. They won't get any of my Thursday nights off or whatever it is. And it, 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 t- totally because you're you are building to me and i always always thought this way is we're building basically like a, a community in the restaurant we want you to come here we want you to know all the players occasionally we'll have some new ones but it's important to bring them up to speed so they they're you know i talked about this yesterday too with, with ken mcgarry was you know bring in those key employees to into the hiring process so they can tell if that person is going to be fit in with the team going to be fit in with everybody and they're going to say 
yeah, they're going to be a great fit. You know, forget about if they can, if they're great at ringing in orders or they have, you know, obviously personality is important, things like that, but have them have some buy-in because if they suck, they're going to be like, yo, why'd you hire this guy? He's whatever. It's not working out. Doesn't vibe with us. He lives two hours away. He's taking him. He's always late. Whatever it is, bring them into it, even just to cover your own ass. Say, hey, you guys interviewed him too. You know, find it. I just think more buy-in from the staff and so many chefs and owners are like, you know, this is the way it's done. This is the way it is. I'm, I'm going to control this. And when the good groups get it right, they're more every single time. They're more inclusive. They're more collaborative. They're more you. We want your feedback. And the ones that don't are the ones that have the fourteen to sixteen dollars an hour sign in their window. That's that's really I think how what what really that's a great way to, to preach, to brother. To yeah, <laughs> preach. That's it. I, I know we're about to wrap. I want to this this Kyle. This is going to be the little segment that you snap out. Uh, for very practical <laughs> advice, because I know you're big on practical advice for your audience. Throw it on TikTok. I want my TikTok video, Kyle. Done. It's All right. Coming. So uh, two elements that I think are very important, very practical uh, marketing and, and sales elements that restaurants need to be focusing on. Number one that I really like is the QR code and especially the smart QR code uh, NFC. Look into that stuff. Make sure that you understand what's happening there. Imagine the to-go game. We've been talking about that a lot. And in your to-go game, you put a QR code. Hell, you put it designed right into your to-go boxes or your or your bags, or you put a sticker on. And that QR code is, is a message directly from you. And it's Kyle saying, saying, I am so grateful. Our team is so grateful that you ordered to-go food from us uh, through DoorDash. And we would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. And if Ever you're able to come directly to our website and order from us it means the world to us as small operators and we would we would love to also see you if you're ever able to pop your head in yeah that changes the relationship and the opportunity wow, for them Genius. to create a different kind of relationship and a different kind of economics for your business so thinking about it that way versus just griping about the fact that this marketing platform is creating these high fees for you Think about how you actually shift them into your own customer. Number one thing that I think people need to be doing. Or that QR code could create another opportunity for to-go food where you can deconstruct your food so it doesn't come in, come to them as a sopping mess. Yeah. And you're able to then have the chef uh, show them a little video on how to plate that dish. Relationship and better yes. product and hospitality. That absolutely has to happen within the industry. And so that's, relationship, it's a relationship building tool too. Beyond, beyond the, beyond, you know, when they choose to eat it, they're going to remember you. They're going to hear your voice. They're going to see you. That's a great idea. It's content. So that's that's number one. Number two, CPG. Every single restaurant has to be in consumer packaged goods. Everything. It's it's almost the same thing as the capture mindset. What's the stuff that are the building blocks to who you are and what you're all about? Give me the pickles. Give me the salsa. Give me the chili oil. Give me the, the cheese that you made with that sheep farmer. A couple <laughs> things happen there. You're diversifying your revenue streams with restaurants absolutely need so that you can drive check average. That's number one. Number two, you're creating brand awareness. You are top of mind. You now are in somebody's home ongoing. Every time they look in the fridge, the pantry, the freezer, they see you and your brand. Every time they throw a party, they want to look cool. Every time they show up to the cookout or the potluck, they want to show that they got something special. They got that yep. special sauce. Oh, yeah. And it's you. And people go, what is that? That's that's my favorite restaurant. The, these are the fire pickles. And then they become brand ambassadors and marketers for your brand. The two reasons oh, yeah. that you need to absolutely be in CPG. It's a must for every brand. It's, 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 um, and I totally support that. And because, you know, you, you, I always say, look at what the big guys are doing. 
and I hate to call the Chick-fil-A's and the Chipotle's and everything restaurants because they're not <laughs> restaurants to me, right? Sure. But Chick-fil-A put their sauces out in bottles, right? Like, th think about that. Like, the most successful QSR concept in the world. They're not doing it. I'm sure they make money, right? They're not doing it for free. They didn't do it for free. They're making money on it. But now the Chick-fil-A, you're bringing it home in some other way. And with, I don't care what how good your yeah. chicken sandwich is at home. If you put that Polynesian sauce on, it's going to make you want Chick-fil-A. So That's that, it, dude. That's it. They're winning the, the chicken sandwich war game, you know, Wendy's and Popeye's and everybody's in that because of that one thing. There's people that are going to get the spicy chicken sandwich at Wendy's and then putting Chick-fil-A sauce on it. Yeah. Because that has created such a such a buzz for what the product is, but more importantly, that you now are a part of it because they called it the Chick-fil-A sauce. You are now, every time you consume that, you are becoming a part of their culture. And I think that's mm -hmm. a, a unique perspective that they took. And yeah, they're probably making a lot of money off it, but the residual impact is probably much more valuable to them than even selling that product. Yeah, you get the product at home and you're still coming to the store. You know, what's next? The Chick-fil-A hat, the t-shirt, mm -hmm. you know, the stickers, the, the that's, that's branding and it's going to win every time. Every All time. right, so we are up against it. And look, I want to just say that you're, this is, this should have been watched this in the beginning. I should have known better. But this should have been one of these. This is one of those podcasts that you guys are going to, have to listen to again because it's not. You're not going to absorb everything in the first time. It's going to be like a, a lot of fire story. on this episode. A lot. And let me tell you something. I think that there are some real actionable items if you guys listen carefully yeah. and put your egos aside and mm. just listen and realize. You know what? I'm going to take the day. I'm going to take Monday. I'm going to listen to that podcast. I'm going to take notes. You know, listen to. You know, you're going to. You know, you're going to listen to to Jensen's podcast, the best server podcast, because I'm sure he's got tons of gems on there as well. But take the time to analyze your business and realize that you're not playing the same game that, that you were playing. And if you're just starting in the business, man, you've got some real, real, real actionable steps to put into place. I mean, start documenting your, your ideas. Start, yeah, docu yeah. start documenting that shit right now. I mean, if I was building a restaurant brand right now, that's the first thing I would do. I'll start telling the story right here, right now. I'll start Instagram, the name of my restaurant, and it would be me sitting at this desk saying, I'm going to have this restaurant. This is what it's going to be. TYBS, tell your best story and workplace is worth working. You invest time, effort, money, care into that. You will unlock a potential that our industry has actually never seen before. I truly believe that. And I know somebody listening, watching is going to be one of the vanguard. Uh, and I'm looking for those type of leaders because that's what best served is all about is amplifying the worth and work of those who feed their community. And it's going to be that one person who listens to the show, who just yeah. took your advice, Kyle, and does take two more notes and then digs a little bit deeper and goes down that rabbit hole and finds themselves or reintroduces themselves to that 17 year old kid who had the dreams that got so jaded and beat up and spit out that, you know, both sides of that equation, we have a real opportunity now. Yeah, that's awesome. So this is where you tell me how you uh, people can find you. What's the best way for somebody to reach out to you? You, you floor is yours. Let everybody know. Yeah, at Best Served Podcast on most of the channels, TikTok, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Best Served Podcast, Best Served Pod uh, on Twitter as well. And then bestservedpodcast.com is really where I want everyone to go right now. Uh, coming up uh, to make this real time, August 9th, 2021, we're going to be launching what we call the 86 Challenge. 86 articles in 86 days, paying a writer $86 for their words. And we're not talking about professional writers. I'm talking about a dishwasher in Kansas City, a line cook in Tampa, a school garden leader in Idaho, 
anybody who wants to speak their truth at every level in any facet of this industry, we've created a platform to be able to do that. And not only doing that, we're going to pay you for your story, for the value that it has in the community wow. that we want to build. The fact that you get paid for your emotional and physical labor more than some professional media outlets are paying professional oh, yeah. writers, which is a travesty. And we wonder why our food media is just a bunch of listicles because we are not investing in those stories. And so we want to invest in those stories. We got some great sponsors that are helping to actually pay for that and build relationships. And, you know, a lot of sponsors, they want the, the chef who's going to buy their stuff. We got them to buy into the dishwasher who might be that future chef if we invest yeah. in them in the right way. And they're not leaving to go sell insurance because this industry chews them up and spits them out. That's the place that I want to see people going and read those compelling stories. Stories like Joshua Wolba writing about, would I want my son to be a chef? Something you and I as fathers have to think about, right? When I talked about being a fifth generation chef, I looked at my sons a few years back and said, would I want them to be the sixth generation? And the answer was no, absolutely yeah. not. And I had to either walk away and I tried, or I had mm. to find a different way to invest and triple down and best served is what came from that. So those are the type of stories uh, that we really want to hear because they matter. And yeah. the person right next to you might have a meaningful story you've never been able to acknowledge before. And that's what's going to shift the way that we approach the human experience of this industry. That's amazing. Well, thank you for the time. I know you probably got a busy day ahead of you. Hopefully you have a busy family weekend set up. Uh, we, got, we got shows we're recording today. Uh, oh, man. After it. You're a trooper. Thank you so much for the time, Chef. I appreciate it, and I look forward to staying in touch, man. It's an honor. Cheers. All right, guys. Another episode in the books. This is episode 87. We've got 13 episodes left to get to my goal of 100 for this year. So looking forward to that. And make sure you guys are following us over on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all that fun stuff. Got some great clips coming up uh, to be shared over on all those platforms. And also, if you are owner-operator, if you're considering being an owner-operator, that's why you check out the show, click the link in my Instagram bio, and there's a free Zoom there that we can hop on and talk about whatever you want to get into. Um, that's it. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for checking out and supporting the show. Support the sponsors. Don't forget to support the sponsors. They're in the show notes. Um, some great opportunities there, so check them out. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening.